All right, uh, we are back, and we have Jay Ness here. Um, in the beginning of the podcast, Jay, the guest gets to dedicate the podcast to whatever they like. So what would you like to dedicate the podcast to? Ooh, what, whatever, yeah. whatever. <clears throat> whatever, Oh, yeah. man, that's a... I know, usually a lot of people beginning like, so much. You know, I, I feel like I would have to... It's a film podcast. We're here to talk about yeah. what we do. I'm gonna I'm gonna use a general term, and I'll get a little specific. But I would I'm gonna have to say family. Family meaning uh, my parents, my dad, uh, owning a VHS camera and involuntarily allowing well, not really allowing involuntarily. <laughs> uh, 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 no, let's, let's put it this way. Yeah. Um, him uh, him owning one and me using it without his permission, right. and, and then. Um, my lady Elizabeth, who's been so supportive uh, on this crazy, weird journey that I've decided to put myself through trying to be a freelance filmmaker. Okay. <laughs> So you started filming on a VHS, like a handheld? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, my parents had, it was a, it was not like an RCA. Right. Um, it one of those where the cassette goes in the camera. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, the VHS goes straight into the tape and it was a big deal at the time when they got it and they'd kind of stopped using it. They, they were, you know, recording Christmas, they were shooting, um, any right. sort of, you know, moment a proud parent moment those sort of things but then it right. kind of just got tucked away they they both had to get new jobs and it was i was just tucked under their bed um you know i went over to a friend's house and i saw uh he was my best friend growing up um his name's adam okay. and he'd made a stop motion uh animated ninja turtles uh short little with the action figures with the action figures wow all right and and that inspired me so much uh, because prior to that, yeah. um, I had tried. You know, this is cliche. There's nothing special about like what. Well, cliche me. means it's it's been done, and yeah, yeah it's it, sometimes like, it's the only way, right? Exactly. You know, when, when uh, it was just before Star Wars was brought back to home video for the first time, not the special editions that I had been getting into Star Wars. So there's yeah. kind of the beginning of that '90s uh, resurgence of all the things that happened Star Wars. And uh, we, my brother and I and my dad tried making a, a Star Wars film. We got one shot in. That, <laughs> that, like, no joke, no joke. And it, it didn't make, you know, it, it didn't make it anywhere. No one's seen it. Uh, uh, but but then I mentioned my buddy Adam because uh, then I started taking my X-Men action figures, my Marvel Comics okay. action figures, and then as well as Star Wars. And I uh, started doing these animated movies because I had control. I didn't have to have anyone but myself. Um, and you got to learn just sort of the basic uh, operations of this camera. Um, and I did that until I was confident enough to start using my friends as actors. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, but um, the last thing uh, James Dean did in his own time was do a stop animation with Clay. 
No kidding. If, if you can find it on YouTube, one of the things before he died was he wanted this short little five-minute film with claymations. What, do you know what it's called? I don't know. It's just one of it. He made a home video of a regular home video camera, a stop motion. And before it was like just a couple of weeks before he passed away at, with his car accident, which people think now that he was just, he fell asleep. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I just wrote that down. Yeah. I'm going to find it. <laughs> a lot of, well, a lot of people, I don't, I don't know if he was diagnosed, but people think he had narcolepsy. Oh, God. Poor so, guy. I have and, sleep apnea. So, so, and that's why why he probably looked half awake all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he thought he was just trying to be sexy, but he probably just had narcolepsy and was sleep, sleepy. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Yeah. I think, uh, it's like, uh, James, uh, we're, we're not, like, you, you, uh, you're doing fine. Like, yeah. you're, you're doing fine. This, this works for you. <laughs> right, right, right. So we, we, well, yeah, it's kind of like a similar thing that you have. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it it was just kind of baby steps, stepping stones. And, um, after that we, I went on, I went on for some, you know, the strangest thing I I remade a bunch of Jim Carrey movies. Um, and I was making movies about the video games I played, uh, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, um, and uh, of course, did you ever like write a script or you just shoot it? Oh no, it was always like just shoot it. Now we're gonna go do this, <laughs> um, and as we moved along, you know, and that that was so amazing and so so freeing. And um, if only I can get people on board to do something like that <laughs> again, I would probably make a lot more movies. But um, yeah, no, uh, um, going through that phase um, got me insanely infatuated with just filmmaking in general and because then I started you know comparing what I was doing to real movies like you know oh shots changing you know cutting to this cutting to that how do they do that you know I didn't I didn't know like um I I tried figuring it out by myself like we're talking um I had I didn't have an editor so I would edit in camera in the sense of like okay you're going to see this line and and at the end of it uh, we're going to stop here I'm going to move the camera over here and then uh this is going to be our wide shot you know and then you're going to continue what you're yeah. saying you know so we do it in, in these chunks and that was a mess because the record button had a delay and like people would be cut off like the <laughs> like but I mean you know you learn that's how you learn really you, you do you yeah. do um and uh and then I learned the uh, the trick with with two VHS players where you can run the RCA cables from uh, machine to machine. Okay. Not not that this is any better, but it does give you a little bit of leeway. Um, and I, after all these other things I'd mentioned, for some strange reason, I had this burning desire in my blood to make a sequel to Catherine Bigelow's Point Break. <laughs> Well, what do you mean? You, you got out. You, well, like uh, Patrick Swayze's character got out of jail. Yes. <laughs> well, like he he was. You know, if you remember, he goes to catch the wave. Right. Uh, yeah. And and, and and Johnny Utah, uh, you know, he's he. Uh, oh, that's right. They didn't have him. He goes catch the wave. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. They they didn't get him. Um, Johnny Utah just lays low for a while and and uh, recalls the conversation that they had about oh the, you know this year this storm. You know, I'm going to be there. I'm going to catch the wave. And, and, you know, Utah shows up and, uh, you know, he goes and catches the wave and he has handcuffs with him, <clears throat> but he lets him go uh, after he cuffs him. 
uh, because he knows uh, he's going to be on ice. <laughs> he's not going to survive. Uh, and it's it's just this really cool moment. Like, uh, uh, spoiler, um, Utah uh, drops his badge on the sand at the beach. You know, you get the idea that this this one case was just keeping him um, keeping him coming back and and and, and working um, towards towards this moment and and uh it's no it was really cool and yeah so we, we basically say Bodhi comes back <laughs> Bodhi comes back uh and uh doesn't make any sense but didn't matter it was the process that uh I thought was really obviously beneficial that's so. a great that, that movie is a great Gary Busey movie oh man Busey kills it Keanu Reeves is fucking awesome I love Keanu Reeves I don't care what anyone says I won't Gosh, I her name, Tank Girl. um oh oh gosh she the, the shorter girl yeah yeah, I totally had a crush on her for that movie. And then, uh, uh, what's his name for the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Also made a cameo. Um, Anthony, his lead singer. Oh yeah, the uh, 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 Anthony um, Kiedis. Yeah, Anthony Kiedis is one of the guys get off our little beach. <laughs> that scene's that's that scene's awesome, man. That's just a territorial. Like I, I, like I don't want to surf if that's it's surfing. It's like fuck that. Gonna get my ass kicked just because I want to try. Like, it's like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to try it. I mean, but now it's like I'm 32, and I just, I, I, I'm. You know, like I, I would, I would love to try it, but like I, I look out there, like you go over like Santa Monica and the, <laughs> the, the pier, you look over. Oh my God, that nine-year-old kid is just. Right, like, like yeah, it's like it's like ah, what if like what am I doing? So, yeah. So, um, once you start making movies as kids, you kind of develop the idea how it starts, begins, right? So, was there a time which you always kind of experimented, or you kind of put it away and went to other avenues? You know, it's interesting you say that uh, because I definitely wanted to keep doing it. I did get pulled away. Uh, with music for quite some time. Um, I began uh, playing music um, and guitar, um, slid away from guitar. It just, I'm, I'm, it's not so much my thing, but I did play um, in a band as a vocalist. Um, and uh, we played a lot of um, thrashy uh, metal uh, in the vein of like, Deftones, uh, I guess the cure with some of the guitar tones and then like, uh, yeah, it was super rhythmic, super, um, super edgy. Um, and, uh, or like, like glass jaw was another huge kind of influence on us, but I, I did that for a while. Um, and my problem with that was it eventually came down to like, and no offense, because I love the people who I always played with, but no one quite, no one wanted it quite as badly as I did, um, and I, I found myself just sort of, um, not, not creatively satisfied after a while. I love the rush of getting you know, up on stage. I, I mean, that's your your story runs kind of parallel with mine because I always wanted to do comic books and I got sidetracked. Yeah. Band and being a drummer. Okay. Yeah. And Oh, yeah, yeah I, was, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, yeah. Our, our, our music. But, um, yeah, you, it's hard, very hard, to get five people to agree on something. Oh, yeah. And then time. And, and time and everything. And then rehearsals and all that stuff to actually to formulate and be 
unison. Yes. Right? Yes. There's always like I always feel like you're 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 definitely you know, it's all it's all about <clears throat> communication, but I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know. Like I if I can go back, I'd have done it a lot differently in the sense of um like and then like you know, I could get I could talk about that for a long time, but I feel that the reason it's important I bring that up is I began to revisit film when I became uh, very, very familiar with music because I started doing music videos. Well, I think there's a strong correlation between yep. music and movies. <clears throat> mm-hmm. If you didn't notice. It's, yeah. it's, it's the same kind of struggles. It's the same kind of... You have every, well, movies, you just have more people trying to work in music. Right? It, it, it's true, but I feel I, I always feel like the rules are much clearer maybe it's just because i'm older and i and i are we're older and i don't i don't like to use the word rules but it's just sort of like your departments defer to other people you know and and um the uh and and i I, when i when i jumped back on the film bus uh and rode that you know across the country literally (laughs) i was i was with musicians and Going, going. I did. Yeah, I went to Bamboozle, uh, in New Jersey. We were in New York. Uh, interestingly, it's fascinating. I was in New York in 2010 when there was a huge bomb scare that was later covered in the film Zero Dark Thirty, okay. and it's like they recreated that to a T. Because I have footage of the car smoking because like it was supposed to blow up if I remember correctly yeah uh, it, it was a really weird uh, experience because you know uh, it, it I don't know like the first time I, I go to New York of course my my biggest curiosity about New York beyond all the film stuff is just sort of um, you know growing up was my, my big association with was, was 9-11 and and so I was I felt kind of invasive but i asked a lot of the people i met out there the other creatives you know what what was that like like was like was there some sort of a a unity on the streets after that happened and um it you know that's that's the jfk of my of yeah of our generation you know so i and i was really intrigued by that not that not not intrigued by the the yeah yeah Yeah, right, right. The sad thing is that I overslept. Mm. <laughs> well, I worked third shift. Well, so well, I remember that day was I, I worked at the VA hospital here in Minnesota. Yeah. My shift ends at 6, and you can't ever just go to sleep right away. And so I went to bed an hour before it happened, and I woke up around 3 to what's going on. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and 3 o'clock, <clears> and after all of the you know events transpired, that I finally woke up. And I, this is before cell phones or anything like that. I, I turned everything off. And yep. I was extremely, that's the everything about my experiences. I I was completely channeled off. I had no idea what was going on until five o'clock and I tried to get gas. And then, I don't know if you remember, gas stations are full because the, people believe that. They're backed up. They're backed up. So I was like, why is the gas station? I can't keep getting that. I totally remember that. Yeah, because I, I had, yeah, um, I right up the street here, um, just, for those listening, I actually grew up here <clears throat> over in Invergrove Heights, which is a, uh, which is right next. To, well, it's a, it's a city, uh, uh, suburb south of the Twin Cities, um, and yeah, no, I, I was, I had a friend who had his license. <laughs> I didn't quite yet. We rode at the gas station, and that line went all the way down freaking Cahill, 
it was it was it was it was scary and i didn't quite understand what was happening either and then it got really real when um the next day there was a girl in my class who's um her uncle was working in the tower and they and um they um i think he wound up being fine but they hadn't been able to communicate with him okay. for a couple days and i don't know it was you know when you're at that age and i i was 14, 15, 15, I would have been 15. Um, you don't quite have a grasp on the things that happen in the world and life. And, no, I, yeah, it's a teenager. Yeah. There's, you understand what happened, but you haven't really, how to process it. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of divorce from that. A- ab- absolutely. Um, because if I had seen that now at this age or something like that happened, which something like that will happen again, um, it, my, the, the way I soak it in, I'm sure will be completely different, especially with the way our country is now. That's a whole nother fucking conversation right. that we don't need to have. <laughs> Let's talk about some fun stuff. So yeah. I understand when you went on tour with the bands, how long did you go on road with them? You know, did you just like stop, was cut to do a movie here or something like that? Is that why you traveled with them? It was usually to support some sort of an EPK package. So like, like you know, they when they would drop an album, they'd want a lot of content to use. They'd want interviews. They would want um, live footage, and they'd take um, oh, like a public presentation. Yeah, mix. Here's what we look on stage. Yeah, mixes off the board. Um, this is you know, kind of capturing their personality a little bit, and um, because you know, I mean, things have changed so much with music in the last eight years. But this is 2010, and. Um, uh, the the artist I was working with was signed with uh, Universal Republic Records. Um, his and his uh, uh, manager had managed the band uh, Godsmack. If you remember those guys, sure. <laughs> and, and yeah. It, yeah, and it was uh, it, it, so that I don't know. It was weird. Um, and and it, it, I want to go back to New York because it was a it was it was a work experience. But I just want to go there to to experience yeah. yeah to to experience New York because like it was stressful. It was. Um, and plus, you know, the people we were with were so much younger. They had, like, when I say so much younger, like, I must have been, like, 25 and, no, I'm sorry, 24. And this kid was so young, you know, 18, and he has friends with them, and their interests were just different. And so, anyways, but it was, I didn't go, no, there were never any long tours. It was more so, yeah, it was more so for, like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like this trip in particular, I believe, was about a week, you know, just to capture enough content sort of thing. I remember hearing one time that the, the Weezer's first manager quit because they were so boring to hang out with. Oh, my gosh. So that's so the, funny. So they'd be on the tour bus, and all they do was sit and read. I love it. I, I don't have a job. They just, you know. I think the manager is so used to babysitting magician musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're you know acting immature and stuff. But he goes with Weezer. They just get on the tour and they just pop a comic book or read a book, and that was it. They're just so boring. That's oh, I love it though, man. That's so awesome. And did you did you like Weezer growing up, like the Blue Album? Yeah, yeah. My wife is much more of a fan now, but yeah, um, we have seen them a couple times. And then the, I, the whole idea of this internet of that they remake. Africa by Toto as a joke. They serious about it. They did that. Yeah, they. They, they did their own yeah. version of Africa by Toto. Okay. And the kids are just eating up. The teenagers are eating up because they never heard that song before. And yeah, yeah, and it's Weezer, you I, know. I, of course, it's Weezer. Is it a farce? 
music video where Weird Al is playing River. So he's the front man. No shit. I saw, you know, I saw an image of this when I was like, like, you know, I have like my feet on my phone. Like sometimes I'll click on it. I don't. But that's what that was. It was a picture of Weird Al. Excuse me. Weird Al with Weezer. Yeah. And I, I told my wife, this is like an Ouroboros event. This is like the snake eating its own tail. This is just the internet going crazy. And then they, right. It's just like a weird cycle of what's going on. <laughs> that's fascinating. That's, the, uh, man. And, and what's, what uh, I, I was very young when I got into music as well. Weezer was one of the first albums I bought. Um, I had that. It was the Mortal Kombat soundtrack um, and uh, Offspring Smash for some reason. I did have some Weird Al quite a bit actually. Like these are the like the. He's amazing. He he he, he was. I mean, what he did was brilliant. Like he was like the, the guy isn't 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 you know. Uh, uh, it's 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 his act and his idea, um, but what I just want to say about Weezer because uh, just so you all know, we're sitting around uh, uh, a bunch of DC, Marvel, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, etc. Yeah, Com- yeah, in the yeah. studio here, I feel right at home. But uh, yeah, we got some Bronze Age, Silver Age stuff hanging up all around us. And uh, the one thing I thought was so cool about Weezer was uh, in one of their songs, the the Garage song in the Garage, they talked about. Uh, Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler, right, and, yeah. and 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 uh, that that was awesome to me. Like I was just like, whoa! Like like the Weezer knows who the X Men are. Like that's <laughs> and that was huge for me. Have you um, have you ever been to the Rockwell Hall of Fame? No, I haven't. Oh, it's for all it's. There's a lot of content there, though. I mean, I spent eight hours, and I still didn't get to see all the stuff I wanted to see. There's an entire floor dedicated to Jimi Hendrix. And then there's a theater. You can go into the Jimi Hendrix Theater and just get the get experienced. Oh, the see. Ah. But the interesting thing, they have new content. I mean, it was ten. I went there about oh fifteen years ago. The funny thing is, they had a poster uh, at the Viper Room or whatever. It was going to be Mother Love Bone, right? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Mother Love Bone, and then below opening acts were Green Day and Weezer. (laughs) Hell yeah. (laughs) And the funny thing is, I don't think people, very much people will under know who Mother Love Bone is or how they started to run. But everybody knows the little guys, the opening acts were Green Day and Weezer. That's great. <laughs> That's great, man. Green Day 2. I would recommend go to the Rock Roll Hall of Fame. That's fascinating stuff. I'll, 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 I don't know, you can make fun of me here. Where, where is this? <laughs> it's in, uh, Rock Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland. It is in Cleveland. Yeah, okay. It's, it's right off of Lake Erie. I now have a reason to go to Ohio. <laughs> you said Cleveland, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's why Huey Lewis said the heart of rock and roll is in Cleveland. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm sure it'd be great. I'd have, I'd have a blast. I, I have fallen away from music. I, 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 I but I, but I, I, I think of it more in cinematic terms now. Like I like a, whenever I listen to music, I feel, you know, it, it, it's got to make me feel something, and it, it sounds—it's weird because I don't—I have. It's not like I died inside or anything like that, but like I—I I was like, oh, this would be great for a scene like this. That—that's where my mind goes now when I'm listening to tunes. So, yeah. do you still play guitar? You know, I don't. And one thing I failed to mention is that you know I picked up guitar and I played it for two, three years, and like my hands—I don't know—they just don't 
have the greatest relationship with my brain. <laughs> like m m mostly my fingers. Um, I figured out actually later that I was more of a limbs guy. Uh, so you mentioned you're, you're, you're a drummer. Um, yeah, I started picking up percussion um, and I did that. Um, I, I did vocals for a long time, but what I love about percussion and getting behind a kit is just sort of, it, it gets something out of me. I don't, and I don't know what that is, but these urges I just get to, uh, to play and, and, and feel the, you know, the hits on the snare and, yeah. um, and rolling and, and, and just keeping a beat. Like you know, it's gotta get so annoying. Anyone who hangs out with me is probably like, Oh, that's Jay. He's upstairs. Yeah, I can drumming. hear some fucking drumming on the floor. <laughs> like, like, you know, like he's here. What do you, what kit do you have? What kind of kit? Do I don't, I don't have a kit. kit. Right. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, Someday. So when you make movies, do you think musically when you do movies? Or is that secondary? <clears throat> um, Like this is a nice, I think, a tone or temperament kind of a sound here or something like that? Or you think we'll shoot it and then we think afterwards? That That is an awesome, awesome question that no one has ever asked me because um, I, I that's one of the first things I go to because those, those are the things that – um, I feel get the gears turning that you already have access to and you can kind of start building this thing in your head. You know, it, it's sort of like you've got these ideas and sometimes you got to dig them out, I feel. Um, especially if you're a creative person um, and if you're like me, I'm so scatterbrained. But what I do, like I'll create like a playlist um, and I'll take things that I have in my iTunes library, like Spotify, or if I remember a song from YouTube or a score, and I'll just start compiling them um, like I did that for Dark Cloud, actually. Um, I ha I literally have a list of songs that I feel were track tracks that complemented the tone, and then I actually have another list of, of tracks that that we could partic uh, we could potentially license for the film um, for certain scenes. Um, so, uh, um, wow, and I've I've never actually realized that, but I do utilize music, kind of music does in a lot of ways i mean you know and that just i think that just gets like i said the wheels turning yeah. and uh um it, it 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 finds something for me that allows me to keep moving and whether it remains true or not because things evolve as you're moving along um but it's it's certainly a part of the uh, you know kickstarting the process you know i know tarantino does that he listens to music to get oh yeah Okay, so, I dig that. Yeah, I get, so I, I get it. I yeah. Yeah. Sure. Isn't that weird? How like it, it's 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 almost like I don't. You almost feel like you're you're pulling the. Uh, uh, the, the horse with the cart that way, yeah, but you're but you're really not, I guess, you know, clearly. And it has, I think, ever since we put sound into movies, people have always think about that. But I remember the first movie that had to have sound was a musical, the jazz singing. So I think everybody has to think kind of musically first when they do a movie. Yeah, yeah, and and there's so much cross back and forth, like like when I'm directing, like a lot of things, like I, one thing I do, and you know, I'm not. 
I'm not saying this makes me unique as a director, but one thing I've, that I do that I that I personally haven't seen a lot of people do. Granted, I haven't been on tons and tons of sets, but I'm really big. You know, people talk about pace, but I'm talking about like rhythm and the relationship between the tools you have, between your actors, between the camera, uh, behind or between uh, then then to like lighting cues, um, and then obviously like delivery, and um, it's a dance back and forth like. And I, I'm I'm very adamant about there being um, um, definitely it does all have to speak to each other, but um, intention behind what each thing is doing are motivating. Like if you're moving the camera, um, I usually ask myself why, sure. um, or why stop here? Like like like, and I want to stop here. Why does it make sense to stop here? Because the other thing too, if you're relying too much on, I think, one tool versus the other, or, um, you know, like technical stuff versus like your actors, like I don't think you can rely on your actors any more than you can your technical stuff. I think you need to, you need to tap into all of it and see what kind of composing you can do. And I don't feel like a lot of people. Um, I think I think a lot of people might struggle and don't realize that that's not what they got. I'm I'm beginning to sound like an asshole because I'm not saying like I know it all, but this is what works for me. Um, and I used to struggle with sort of well, when do you do this? Like it's all the gut feeling, and I, I think it's insanely important to be creating those relationships with all the tools, lighting, camera, um, sound, and then post. That's another whole process. Um, right, because you have this battle of principal photography, right? Right. And then yep. You Yeah. People don't understand that there's two different things you work in. Yeah. Yeah. A good friend of mine, whether he can claim this or not, but uh, his name's Andrew Hunt. He's a phenomenal filmmaker. Um, he is. I mean, check out his work. Um, he's uh, he's fantastic. And one thing I've always admired about him, him and I, we've always liked playing with the same toys when it comes to film. Um, We've always felt that visual story our storytelling is far more uh, powerful than than dialogue. And maybe I shouldn't quote Andy because he didn't say that. But but like you know, like his film spoke to me. A couple of his films because they didn't have any dialogue. A couple of them, um, and that's what I did because I didn't feel like I was that great at writing, but I knew how to tell a story visually. Um, yeah, you know, like it was just sort of like, okay, now it's going to do this and, and, you know, this, this facial reaction and this angle is going to suggest this. Um, because, you know, and that also, I feel like makes your work far more accessible. Like you, you get rid of the language barrier, you know, like you can create tension without saying anything. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I, for, yeah, I, I stumbling here. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, really. I, I don't know what point I was gonna make with this. I, <laughs> fuck, I, I, uh, we we were talking about. Well, I think everybody struggles. What what do I do? Do I do too much? Do I do too long? Is it too short? Or... Right, right. I, 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 I think I was, you know, the point I was trying to make, um, about, uh, as as a director, I, I, you've really got to. I have found the most success, and I'm the most happy when you're really thinking about the composition, 
from every like you can't rely too much on your actors like I don't uh, I, I, you can't just have one thing dominate everything else you have to have a good balance right 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 you can't skip out on anything um, like like there are times where I'll just lean over to the DP so Dark Hollywood Ben and I'll be like hey like roll on this and it's just the actor standing there with a certain look on their face because it's real you know and they don't they won't even know we're filming um, and, and, you know, they're just maybe waiting to hear me call action. And like, they've got this look on their face that I haven't seen yet from the character. And you can go back and utilize that in post and you make the movie three times. That's what I was going to say. Andrew Hunt taught me that it's okay. You write the film. Okay. That's making the movie once production. That's making the movie for the second time. It's going to change. Inevitably, you're going to find things and obstacles that are going to throw you off, derail you. It's going to be chaotic. Um, and the third time is where you get to sit back Look at those things you obtained and then keep adding to it. You know, do pickups, do some reshoots, do some ADR. Um, and uh, and so there's there's a lot of opportunity for for growth, I think, moving along. Um, but that that I, I think I meant for that to teeter off something you'd said about people not realizing. Um, how, how much there's three parts to Yeah, them. right, right. You just yeah. Think that you shoot the movie and then you kick it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a little break. I'm going to refill my coffee and then yeah. we'll talk a little more fun stuff. Right on. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is The Amazing Nerd Show. We're a podcast that takes a deep dive into nerd culture. Every episode, we will talk comics, movies, video games, and even wrestling. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Podbean. The Amazing Nerd Show. The show you never knew you wanted. with Jay, uh, director of Dark Cloud, um, and you're executive producing one right now, right? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I um, say executive producer, I guess that's yet to be determined. I have spent a little money, but nothing more, nothing, <laughs> nothing right. comparable to uh, my friend and business partner, John Kaiser. Um, he, uh, th- this one is called Only Dance Can Save Us. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been, I've been producing it with him, uh, though. I mean, so much of my summer was sent or, or spent with Dark Cloud yeah. that we kind of just, you know, we were getting like, so Dark Cloud shot in August and like end of June, him and I were just sort of like, okay, like you make sure dance is going to come together well. You know, and John's like, I can't work on Dark Cloud anymore. Like, you don't, like, don't let any of my things or opinions, you know, get in the way of what you want to do with this. It's like, make the movie that you think is best and, and, uh, you know, roll with it. Like, what is, what is the most entertaining or, or best way to tell the story? Okay. And so, um, it's it's interesting because we're shooting that one right now. Like I'll resume tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you've been on set? I have been. It's been really nice um, doing first AC work where we got this wireless focus system. I just get to sit back. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. Sit back and um, it's 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 really really meditating in in some ways. Um, I was so stressed on Dark Cloud, um, and that just comes with the territory. I'm not saying like, oh God, I'll never do it again because I absolutely will do it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this one, uh, yeah, yeah. John wrote it and he's directing it and. Um, it, it's, it's his baby and, uh, it's, it's a story about, uh, a woman in particular who, uh, runs, um, well, but she has a past, uh, with dancing and, okay. and a mentor of hers, uh, passes away. Um, and she is sort of in this situation trying to, to figure out, um, what, what, uh, what, what she can make of these next steps in her life in terms of, okay, well, here's the, like, we, we've got this dance company. Um, how, how can we, how can we keep it alive? Um, and, and there's also some self-discovery too, I think with her mentor passing and kind of realizing what some, and I could be wrong. So John, so there's like a, this back thing. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's definitely about, um, Oh gosh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Well, I, speak I, I for like. John. I kind of. I like that. Those stories where you have to confront your past. Betray, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she like she had from what I understand, and John might be wrong, but I feel like she had this love hate relationship with Henry, uh, who was the uh, owner slash dance instructor, the men- mentor, right. if you will. And um, now that he's gone, um, there's there's this, you know, respect that 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 yeah. she's paying and, and, you know, looking back on, on what she can take from what, what she learned and where she can go with all of that and, and, and how to navigate to this next, uh, step. I, I like guess. that. It's kind of very compelling. Very, it, very, it is. Cool. I like it, very those, artsy. Yeah. Very artsy. Um, I don't know. It's kind of obvious. Are there going to be dance in it? There is, there is. Yeah. There's okay, some, I don't, <laughs> we, yeah. We've got some, yeah. there are some amazing dancers in the film and that's been fun so to kind of, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. It, it, um, it's exactly like the, the dancing is phenomenal. Um, we've been we, we've done a few uh, dances uh, just this past week. We'll do more this coming, and um, it's been nice. And it's also been kind of cool to just having been so deep in dark cloud, and then just to jump on this and see what John has come up with and. Director of photography Tim Schrader, um, both very smart guys. John is very good at writing. He's got this sort of whether he agrees with me or not. Like he's kind of got this uh, Amy Sherman Palladino um, wit to his um, his characters. They're all they're all um, clever and sharp. And 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 whether the edit winds up this way or not, but just the speed of the dialogue, it's it's cool. I I, I really dig it. Um, and uh, so. This week that finishes coming up here. Yeah. Did the the actors in the in this movie? Did you do like a little choreographed dance, or they, the background was dancing? Do you know? Yeah. Um. So we did this sort of fusion thing where some of it isn't quite reality. Some of it is sure. is um. We're definitely kind of changing the projection of when those things happen, like the dances, um, and where we are. Like we're in the room, but the way. Like we wanted excellent dancers, and not to say that we couldn't find talent that can't dance, but um, we also wanted really strong performances, and um, we we didn't 
have, uh, I guess the, how can I, how can I say this without sounding like an asshole? We, like John kind of reinvented the script in terms of how can we utilize dancers that strictly dance, and then how can yeah. we get the best talent, you know, the, the strictly just for acting. You know? Yeah. So those two very important key uh, elements of the film are are great. Sorry. And we we previously had Nicole here. Nicole Faye, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's she was with you in Dark Cloud, and then she's in. Here, uh, yeah, she's she's doing stuff with this film as well. Nicole is, uh, um, she's you know she's she's part of the reason why Dark Cloud happened. I'll say that right now. I'll give her the shout out because she introduced me to uh, Craig Patrick. Okay, um, and Craig Patrick was the executive producer on Dark Cloud, and uh, it um, that was it's just so interesting how things. You can tra- tra- yeah, you trace yeah. them back to where it's like, how did I, like, but who did I meet Nicole through, and and what you know before that, where does that go, you know? But it's, but Nicole is 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 a talented makeup artist. She's she's um, successful as well, and she actually <laughs> there's another film we shot where we destroyed her salon and turned it into what looked like a spaceship to make this. <laughs> The really? short yeah short she never mentioned okay uh, it was a short film called uh, Sheer Madness um, and uh, there's Ooh. a another company called Influx Pictures that yeah. uh, produced it and uh, they wrote it I directed it and we repainted her entire salon to do this sort of uh, anyway Spaceship. but but she, yeah she's been uh, she's been with us for a while she's she was actually just great and a lot of fun to have on a lot of fun oh she's a character in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get uh, to Dark Cloud. Yeah, man. Because yeah. you just finished what it was August. So it's just just over a little over a month. You were done with principal photography. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow, it's already been that long. It's Time hard. Flies. It's hard to ask you questions because I like that. I don't know too much about it. Yeah, yeah. Because if you follow you on Instagram or the movie on Instagram, I love the tone and the theme that you guys have going. I don't really want to know more. I wanted to see this without a certain ignorance. But if you yeah. want, if you want to tell me what a little <laughs> bit about it, but I, it just, I love it. It's fascinating. I like how you got the lighting and the foreboding. Oh, thank you, man. You could just sense it through the the pictures and everything. Thank you, and I'll, I'll show you something kind of something that we're not going to release public after this. So, like, so you can. I'll show you something that gives you kind of a like you're right on the money with 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 the tone. Um, so yeah. I'm glad that came across. I've got something I can show you that. Um, sure. Um, we'll we'll then further confirm your your. Uh, uh, assumptions. Assumptions. Yeah, they're correct. Yeah. So, well, yeah, with Dark Cloud, man, it um, it's a story uh, about a woman who voluntarily becomes an experiment to an artificial intelligence, which is built into a home. I see. And 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 this this idea or this opportunity comes after a tragic accident and this tragic accident uh causes her to not only have an extreme case of ptsd right but a memory issue okay so i very similar yeah, yeah so i um like i definitely um try to make this a very personal thing and uh the memory thing uh, it was interesting, so we went back and forth about that, but I really wanted to keep it because of how personal that is to me. You and I spoke before this. Yeah, but, about, um, about prep talk. Yeah, 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 prep talk, yep, yeah, yeah. prep talk. And 
um, side note, I got a concussion a few years ago and memory is kind of weird and, um, yeah, PTSD. And, and, and so about when it came to getting my hands on dark cloud, after John wrote a great story, you know, I, I took the script and I wanted to preserve the integrity of this story that John was telling, but I absolutely splashed all over it as in splashed my personality. Sure. Um, right. Yeah. Added some weirder humor, um, tweaked some scenes that felt, uh, they could use some levity. Um, it is a very, very grim, yeah. uh, sort of tone, but, but we weren't afraid to have fun with it sometimes. Uh, and there, there was a lot of opportunities for a little bit of laughter. Um, and, uh, also, it's ridiculously on 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 time in terms of this world that we live in and it's we've we live in this world and i'm not speaking about dark cloud I'll, I'll, when i say this we live in this world that's so driven by technology and what this movie does is it takes the world we live in and it kind of shifts it it's kind of futuristic i think that's the biggest thing that most people probably right don't quite understand it's not like it's the not too distant future but what we're seeing are things that are happening right now for instance our antagonist played by emily atak from the in-betweeners she was also uh she took the lead in the breakfast at tiffany's remake um i don't know when that was maybe like three four years ago anyway lovely lovely actress okay uh but but she plays our she's doing the voice and we're using her as a visual avatar as well for ada the um, she, and Ada is, is is basically a glorified Siri or Alexa, kind of um, like um, like Hal from two thousand one almost. Of course, yeah. yeah. Hal is a huge. Um, that that's of course the first thing that I I, I thought of when we when, when we decided how we were going to execute this was right. Like okay, we can incorporate some Kubrick. Like I, I'm down. I'm down with that. <laughs> um, and and uh, it's here's here's where we come at it with a different angle is um this thing learns and it's not like the we're not this it's not a james cameron judgment day sure like, um okay like like we we're self-aware not, it, you know, yeah it's it, it it does the self-aware thing does happen but okay. this is like we're talking about the stepping stones before we get over to um get to you know skynet <laughs> uh and right it's not like a big monstrous leap you yeah wanna, yeah you want to do the slow the little stepping stone here like okay this is where things can start to go wrong because right. i like the machines uh there there's a um a a tech um um entrepreneur uh, his name is brad feld that i got to interview i, I shouldn't say i interviewed him I, I was there operating the camera uh, for for someone uh, who runs a different thing about um, okay uh, technology and, and tech and that world, and he had mentioned that the machines have already taken over, and he's absolutely right in the sense that how much we depend on our phones for everything, not just phones, but to figure out basic ways of how you're going to go about your day while well, you're going to drive. You know, well now you've got GPS that's telling you where you, you know where you're going to go. Um, you've got a, um, uh, even uh, shopping, yes, know, even it, shopping, you punch in your code, right? 
and right. you get perks and everything. Yeah. You're already you already got you in. Ab- absolutely. Um, you get like emails constantly of notifications of such and such and whatever. You know, it it, it all is it's like a bombardment, right? Yeah, yeah, it it, it is, yeah. and um, and what 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 this movie does is tap it, it totally taps into, um. A world dependent on machines. Right, that was the word I was going to... It's almost like a fear of dependence on... Yeah, and it talks about this, and what's unique about this, what I love about our character is, I think that our our protagonist is named Chloe, who is played by Alexis Gabrielle. Fantastic human being. I'm so, so lucky to have had her her for Chloe. Um, my greatest my greatest fear is that uh i won't be able to work with her again because i sincerely think that she's going to go Big, uh right. yeah, she, she i mean she's she's adorable and uh she's she's incredibly likable and she's like that in real life and, and we her and i we talked about like chloe you know we need to like i want to utilize who you are lexi and this is a conversation we have sure. i want i want to utilize who you are and I want to seam that into Chloe because when you have a unique movie that doesn't have, um, that isn't being shot in your backyard, you got to find ways where people can see themselves in 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 your characters. And yeah. to me, that first step is honesty because it has to feel real. Um, if it doesn't feel honest, that you know, or that that that's likely your audience is not going to believe it. And if they're not going to believe it, you know, then it doesn't feel real. And if it doesn't feel real, well, then you've lost your audience. And they got to care. They got to feel it. I mean, I mean, I watch Raiders Lost Ark and I totally believe it's everything is happening is real. It's tangible. I don't believe that it's just cut and they did it. I actually believe that it's really happening. Right. Yeah. Right. And and anyway, I'm, um, how did you find uh, Alexis? Well, we were looking into a bunch of pot- potential options, executive producer and I, and we had people that I knew submit um, uh, t- tapes and 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 reads, and uh, we wanted to take the opportunity to use um, an actress that that clearly could put it this way. All right. I knew that she would be fantastic when I was talking to her Um, because when I was talking to her that same day, we had her do some reads and it felt like I was talking to her. It felt like she was the same person when she was reading. Nothing changed. Like the conversation felt just as real that she was reading and for that, so that was a huge, huge, uh, um, and I mean, I mentioned that was very important to me and that that is very important, I think. Um, and then we, we kept talking and talking about, you know, what this would be like, you know, you'd be coming to Minneapolis for three weeks and she's, she's, she, man, she's just waiting. Like she's, she's, she's going to come bursting out of, <laughs> she's going to get another opportunity that's just going to be like. Boom. Uh, boom. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, like we're talking like, uh, and I'm not, and it's just, uh, it, it's, I don't know what to say. I, in, in the sense that uh, I, I've, I, I'm, I feel so, on all the talent too with this yeah. movie. Um, 
after talking to her and, and, and learning what she thought, and we we really had a good chemistry, her and I. We got what we were saying. She liked how I um, would would use parallels, real-life analogies, and we would talk about the things that happened in the script and how we could relate them to things that actually happened to yeah. her or us in real life. Nice. Because um, you need that for the honesty. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. Exactly. Talking about the honesty. Um you know there are character actors, and and, and that's great. Um, but it's if I, I guess this could also lead me into saying that the audience is so important to me. The audience is the most important. That's the person. Those are the people I think about when I'm making a movie. If it comes, sure. whether it comes to ca- casting, whether it comes to the shot, how it's edited. And um, we went with Lexi because it complemented who I wanted to satisfy or hopefully satisfy. I know people are going to write up, you know, articles like, oh, this is shit, we've seen it before. Uh, uh, but I'm not, like, to me, I, I'm my greatest critic. And right. um, I guess I, I can keep going and going and going. But the um, she fit into that mold of sure. what I was trying to achieve. And I knew that she would do a great job. She was so committed and everyone loved her on set. And, um, yeah, because when Nicole was here, she was just raving about her. She was like, you're going to have to see this movie. She was just, she hit it out of the park. It was just really impressive. She takes direction so well. If anyone else who hasn't worked with Alexis is listening to this, (laughs) hire her, uh, bring her on, get her involved. And she's creative too. She's smart. Um, some of her ideas. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just cause I'm the director. I'm I'm also I'm also a fan of the idea that the best idea should win. Yeah, uh, a long time ago, I, I used to work for the St. Paul Saints baseball. I used to work there, yeah. and uh, beginning of the season, we would get a prep talk from the owner Mike Vick. The owner Mike Vick, he's from Chicago. His dad used to own the White Sox, and he gave this fabulous uh, speech. And the reason why my comic books took so long because I was worried about the audience. Are they going to like this? Are they going to believe it? Are they going to care? And he gave this wonderful speech. He goes, you know, I don't care if my team is good or bad. I really don't. I care people show up. Yep. And that's the most important. I finally got it. He goes, we could have a bad team, but we sold out every night. Who cares? We could have a good team and very few people show up, then that's a problem. Yeah. I want people to care. And people who give out bad reviews, they care. Because they care. People give out good reviews. They care. As long as people care that you're doing something, that's most important. And yeah. I finally, finally punched my comic book and said, you know what? I don't care if it's going to get a bad review or not. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's most important. As long as people care, even if they give you, even if they don't like it, well, they invest time to research it. And they, the reason why they give it back because they wanted to do, they, there's something missing. There was a disconnect. But still, you, you put it out there. And like Todd McFarland says, you know, it could, it's bad, but at least you have a comic book out in the world. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, you have a movie out in the world. Yeah. Something, right? Absolutely. And who, not every, not everyone can say that because a lot of people are just kind of too scared to take that leap. They don't right. want to, they don't want to submit their hard work uh, t- to potentially be criticized. And, you know, and, that's a very valid point. And yeah. A lot of other points is people love the process. That's and that's why you got to do it. Like yeah. you can't. Like who gives a flying sh- fuck about, <laughs> about what what someone else says? Like then, like you know, 
in, in opinions like I, I don't know like no yeah, one should yeah. ever feel bad about what they like or don't like yeah like and and um I think that that really gets under our skin when it comes to doing anything. Like people are afraid to tell people, "Oh, I like this band," like, "Oh, I like this movie," like, "Oh, I like this comic," because of, of, of fear of judgment. Yeah. And I don't know if you just flip it around and just sort of like, you know what, like, <laughs> like, like Jay, you're stupid for liking that. I'm like, you know what, I think you're stupid for not understanding why I like it. You know. Right. I my wife and I we went to see the movie The Meg. It's just, it's The Meg, yeah, 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 that shark movie. I completely understand what I was getting into. Yeah. I knew it wasn't going to out for awards and everything, but it delivered what my expectations. So I say I liked it. Yeah, it's not going to impress you on stuff like that, but it delivered what it was supposed to. And I enjoyed going into to that to see it. It was fun. Sometimes you sometimes you just go see things to have fun. And not every movie needs to be, you know, of a, of a something caliber. Yeah, yeah, like they're made for different audiences, different people, and and uh, even movies that aren't well received. I've always felt like maybe you can relate. Do you do you tend to find things that uh, are are good or that you liked about movies, even if overall you're kind of like, oh, it didn't do a lot for me, but this was good or that was good or I like this. Do you? I mean, do you break? Yeah, right. Now that I'm a little bit older, I'm over in my forties. I'm less harsh. Yeah. I'm stuff. Yeah. Because I understand. The ordeal just to get something made. Yes. The struggle. I mean, it's a very difficult thing. And you get lucky. Yep. And sometimes things work out right and it doesn't get the response you're hoping for. Sometimes you think, oh, this is not going to work out well. They get the response that you don't understand. Yeah. But just get it done. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'm a lot less harsher on stuff than I used to be. Absolutely. And I think it just becomes you get older and mature about stuff and you realize, you know, how hard people work just to get something done no yeah. kidding yeah and for some for some uh someone just sitting you know uh in in their chair every day uh uh sit, it's like you can be the guy who makes it you know and actually right. and wonders what that might be like or you can be the guy that just gets on their phone and that yeah yeah and, just, and knows nothing wasn't there you know and and rips it apart and there are so many moving parts to anything that's big like there's like uh, <sighs> To get to the bottom of why something didn't turn out that great, you know, is probably impossible. You know, there's so many changes, whatever. So when you made Dark, Dark Cloud, did you um, did you do storyboards? I did. Um, I didn't storyboard the whole film, some of the more complex ones. And sure. I kind of stopped also when my director of photography, Ben Enke, he's like, I'm like, I'm like, hey, so I'm going to have storyboards ready by blah, blah, blah. This time, is that going to be okay? Yeah, sure. I'm not going to look at them, but <laughs> or I'm not going to use them. <laughs> Go ahead and do it. All right, yeah. You're so, just not going to get it on. <laughs> so, yeah. but I mean, and I was okay with that because me and that guy, uh, we... You're, you're, you're cinematographer, Ben. Yeah, yeah Ben Enke. Him and I sync so well. We both it like the... It looks like you guys did. It oh, looks man. like you guys were on the same way with we, just what I saw you. We, yeah. we, we are. We And I think it's a lot of it has to do with just how we grew up um, kind of figuring things out on our own. Like I didn't own lights, so we would use natural light. We'd find ways to make things look cool um, without putting hands like hands. Yeah. yeah, putting a bunch of you know, throwing up a bunch of LEDs. You know, and and I also one thing I talk about this real real thing and and, and honesty. I I like I'm a really big fan of stylized real like I, realism stylized realism. Like yeah. I love what like Jeff Cronenworth does with like David Fincher's movies. Like 
all of those rooms, what I love about them is they might not look like a room in my house, but they look like a room I could walk into. Right, like yeah. All the environments, like I love that and Ben loves that too. And and so... There's a real deep sense of plausibility. Yes, yes. Don't yeah. be afraid to keep the lights off. Like you can make beautiful images um, with, with uh, well, in the dark. Um, right. And some people might not like that, but when it comes to this movie and what it's about... And 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 what this character is going through and what happens to her, th- had the film not had this look, I it, it would be a different movie. Um, because if it looked commercialized, I felt that it would have cheapened. And in the weirdest way, it would have sort of cheapened that reality I was going for. Right. I, you know? I get a sense of it went big blockbuster. Right. It wouldn't have the draw. Right. If right. It was a little bit of a smaller scale. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's a weird like it's it's weird. Um, and Ben got it. I don't know. Like I, like I have like you know I mentioned Fincher, but like Sam Raimi was a huge uh, uh, influence on me growing up. He does have um, a powerful look to it, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not well. He's not afraid to like have a little fun. You know, like his sure. cam- his camera angles are uh, are really goofy sometimes, or. Uh, he'll the long tracks. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Lines, yeah, yeah. He was he was such a go getter and, and a problem solver. I feel like, and that dude, uh, like you know, I'm just gonna use another comic book influence. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, reference. Yeah. From the Tobey Maguire Spider Man movie, like this is such a Raimi moment, and this is the kind of humor, a weird shit that I like. <laughs> is right before now. Spoiler: If you haven't yeah. seen oh, Spider Man yeah, yeah, tw- I mean, 2002, yeah, yeah. Uh, when the Green Goblin uh, and Spider-Man are, are 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 fighting in the, I believe it's the warehouse. It's right at the end, uh, before his glider and come comes and impales him. There's like this brief second and a half clip of of uh, Willem Dafoe where he's just like, oh, <laughs> like, and it's like it's a still static shot. Right, yeah, yeah. It pu- like it pulls you out of the oh. movie momentarily, but then it goes back. Like it's things yeah, like it's that. Like, yeah. Um, quirks, quirks. Yeah. I, you, you, the one thing about Spider-Man that just brought William Defoe has Willem Defoe has yeah. this excellent villain face. I wish he didn't have to wear a mask. Just put him in makeup. I know, you know man. It would have been perfect. It would have just been the Green Goblin. It would have been. It's too bad they had to put a mask. But yeah, it's very much Sam Raimi and comic books just go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that I mean, marriage was awesome. I don't know if you knew, but um, the Coen Brothers work with Sam on Evil Dead too. Because really? They did the, a lot of the shootings. That's why. Shut what, up. So a lot of the inspirations of weird angles and super zoom in, like raising Arizona when they, they go in the room, the camera goes in the room and it becomes invasive. They got that totally from Sam. Wow. How they, yeah. It's just one of those things how everything kind of connects in the movie world. Yeah. Yeah. See, I never would have guessed that, but. You they know. got, you know, Coen Brothers left to make movies, but they didn't really know how to experiment with camera until they met Sam. Just, you know reach out there make make it part of the invasive you know getting into rooms and navigating stuff like that oh yeah. i love that yeah. i love the idea of coen brothers and sam raimi talking shop <laughs> right, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's yeah. great yeah. that's great yeah. so do you, do you do you also um when you do uh dark cloud i know you did you help with the writing at all because i know you put your kind of directing did you kind of a little bit of yeah so here yeah, yeah. So here's, I mean, this is how it worked. I mean, John wrote so many drafts. He worked so hard on this. Initially, we sat down um, 
and basically plotted out some potential scenarios about what this character could be going through and what happens. And that eventually changed too. But I kind of let him go away and, you know, he wanted to go. That's what he does. You know, he, he, he'll, he'll go into a cave for a week and come back or sometimes even faster and like, hey, this is what I got. Right. There's, oh, I, right. I, I, that's what I have to do. I have to sh- come down to my studio. I could almost turn off the lights and just sit here and turn yeah. off the world and just punch it out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, and, uh, and you know, it was, it was just kind of about making tweaks going forward. I think we wound up having, including, um, excuse me, I'm burping up my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that sounds great into a microphone. Um, so the, um, when it came down to like June, July, you know, earlier I had mentioned that uh, John, you know, he shifted his priority to the dance movie, and so yeah. there are some scenes that I tweaked. There's, there is one scene that I that I did rewrite. Yeah, not not completely. There's two scenes that I would say that I modified significantly. I, I don't want to say rewrote because John, right, a lot of John's kinda, stuff is there. Kind of altered it a little bit. Yeah, altered it. Um, and then, you know, uh, we rewrote the opening of the movie the night before we, we filmed it. And John did that. Um, Owen Royce, uh, our, our AD, was, was there with us to do that. And I was directing that day. So that was mostly a John thing as well. Um, so there are, you know, my my contribution to the script became much more about how I wanted the audience to experience it. Okay, okay. When information was revealed, how do we keep the audience's attention or how do we keep them anticipating moment after moment? How can we insert surprises that um, aren't really that big of a surprise, but you don't see it coming sort of thing and that just sort of resets the the uh, what's happening on the screen yeah. in front of you. Um, whether it be the way they're talking, like who interrupts the conversation, how they they budget barge in the conversation, um, and then uh, the biggest the biggest change I think that that I made has to do with the way that our uh, I gotta be careful about this because there's I don't want to give it away. Uh, um, right. There there is. The way that the story evolved, or yeah, I mean, there, there's this, there's, there's this pretty pivotal point in the movie where the audience is definitely going to not be able to make sense of why something is happening. Okay. And before it was very clear why it was happening. It goes very linear, and then it, there's a change. Yes. Okay. Um. And 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 you learn why eventually, but you know that was my sort of equation to keep the audience engaged and wanting to learn why what they just saw or just experienced was happening. Um, because remember, our protagonist has a, a memory issue, um, and there's a lot you can do with that. Um, and the uh, the overall sort of... Let's see here. Their overall sense of it? Yeah, the overall sense of it just got kind of like the world, the sense of um, some of the, I also removed a lot of the dialogue because I wanted to do a more suspenseful, you know, visual um, um, experience for anyone watching it. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure that um, 
you know, just it, it wasn't all just conversational, and it was all really well written. Um, but I just felt like, gosh, the movie just being a thriller. Like you just got to have more tension. And I sure. think that humans, you know, w- with tension, like it's actually about not talking a lot. You know, right? You sometimes suppress that. Let it, yeah, let it breathe a little. Right, bit. right, yeah. and suppressing what you have to say. And I think that's just, you know, that, that those are the things that I that, that I did. And um, the story, I feel like, is the same story. There are some changes. Um, so whatever. Whatever that technically means, to get back to your question about as far as what I wrote, um, I don't know. (laughs) I changed quite a bit, but uh, preserve the integrity, and it was just about making it personal. All right, a couple things. Uh, When will we be able to see Dark Cloud? So definitely next year. um, We're hoping, I believe, for a summer release. It could be fall. Um, It's going to be a, a visual effects heavy film, not like a cartoon. There's just a lot of little things with the technology like lighting and um when i say lighting like we've got these mechanical devices we talked about hal earlier like we're gonna enhance the way ada looks who is our um antagonist played by emily and then she actually has an avatar um in the there's this living room in this house where everywhere else now it's any other room it's like you know it's like siri um i'm not siri like alexa and you have like these nodes in every room which which look like hal like and like so that means like she has contact with you in that room so you can you know she can see what's going on she can hear what's going on and then the avatar in the living room is actually kind of like a diorama like she is in the room in like this almost like a window digital screen where you can go face to face with her and and talk to her yeah i i get the sense like the the a, the the artificial intelligence has a like a almost a stain on the character chloe Oh like, yeah, like anywhere, it's almost everywhere she is. It's part, it's there. It's very invasive. even though you don't see it, it's still there. Yeah, it's there's always this 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 underlying privacy invasion. I feel, yeah. and then yeah. how far was, does that go? And 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 um, that's wonderful. And and because the, I mean, that's people talk about it all the time. It's like uh, this Brad Feld guy I mentioned earlier. Like another thing he mentioned after he said the machines have taken over is like, like just assume that everything you're doing like is not private. It's like because more than likely um, somebody's watching. Yeah, yeah, and whether whether it be your devices, whether it be, and some people might be like, ah, oh, hoo ha, that's crazy. But really though, I mean, like why? Pff, I can't. I I don't know if I, how much I get behind this, but it's just sort of like, hmm. The other day, like I was looking up. Uh, uh, winter uh, gear that I'm going to want this winter because last year I didn't have uh, gloves that uh, yeah. that that held together. So I'm looking for a better pair of gloves. Well, guess what? Like I was on set and I was just checking my email, my feed, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, getting advertised. Uh, for gloves. For, for these stupid gloves, those <laughs> stupid fingerless gloves um, in, in these different brands. And it's like, how, how does it know? Um, because I don't feel like I did that on my phone. But then you start thinking, well, okay, everything is interlinked. Well, what else could it be connected to? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't yeah. know. That's, maybe that was, I don't know. <laughs> but it's all, it's all you have to second guess yourself. I was thinking about gloves and now I get an email about gloves. What What's going on? <laughs> right. All right. We got a couple minutes. And uh, for fun stuff, uh, I don't know if you're aware. And you know what? You know I both and I just love comics. 
And so the big thing that came out is Hot Green Phoenix is going to play the Joker. Oh, dude, yeah. yeah. So yeah. what? Are, I just want to, you know, just for fun, what are your thoughts about what the – and Todd Phillips is directing it. So Yeah, yeah. And he did, like, Hangover. He does this weird, dark comedy. I think it's kind of a fit. Oh, yeah, totally. Bit, that it's going to be this dark, brooding comedy. But yeah, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts about the new Joker movie that we're going to see next year? I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, first of all, I never thought that an actor as high of caliber, like Joaquin Phoenix would, would play the Joker. Yeah. And I think why that might be happening is if DC is doing what I hope they're doing is they're not trying to copy the Marvel formula of building this expanded universe. I think they're trying to take more of like a comic book approach. So my hope with this Joker movie and what I mean by comic book approach is that we're going to get these single one-shot movies yeah. based on, they can be you know original screenplays or they can be based on one particular comic that kind of stands out as being um, an anomaly amongst the character where you can bring in Joaquin Phoenix to play the Joker. And he'll do it. Why? Because he doesn't have to sign some sort of outrageous, ridiculous contract to play the character. Yeah. That's like one movie, one and done. So I think that that is awesome. And uh, I, I just never would have guessed he'd have said yes. In my mind, I, I always thought like, oh, who else could play the Joker? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, I thought would also be Something good. like, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Really, would be really good. I'm super excited. Uh, and it takes place in, is it, it is the 80s, right? I think it's like late 70s, early 80s in okay. New York where very, very hard. I mean, New York in the late 70s was kind of trash. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't you, the... Glassling theme park kind of an atmosphere you get now in New York City. It was very much garbage is all over. It was very slummy and very dangerous. Yeah. See, that's that's interesting because now like we're not going to have a Batman to swing in and and offset yeah. uh, those things happening. So I think yeah. that that's well. Really Marty cool. Scorsese's executive producer and Robert. De Niro's, oh, he's still on. That's awesome. And yeah, Robert De Niro's going to be a movie. I get it. Like this sense of Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. To it. It's late seventies kind of a. Yeah, which is great because yeah. I, f I feel like I use the t like I use the term Western with Logan loosely. Yeah, like I feel like they can do something in the vein of what. Um, yeah, kind of like it, Logan very much had a Western genre feel. Right. And I think this Joker movie is probably not going to have a very superhero movie. It's going to be very, very, I've got to give the word again, foreboding. Yep, realistic tone to this. Like, yeah, the the stuff like Scorsese's uh, like crime drama stuff. Yeah. I think. Um, so I'm I'm really really excited. Yeah. Um, the makeup looks cool. Um, I'm glad that they're being bold with that. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, did Joker ever wear? Uh, did, he, did he ever paint? Did he ever paint on his his the blue and red onto his face like that? Because I know his his. Uh, his yeah, minions. Usually, he's projected in the comic books that it's a permanent. Picture. Exactly, like his white skin. Right. right, and then the beginning of the Killing Joke, the story is there. It's an impersonator, and he is wearing makeup. But mm -hmm. I like the concept that this person puts on makeup in the. I mean, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't steal away from the character. Right. Um, in, the, in, the, in the obviously in the comic books, it's this permanent fixture. But I like that he has to. He can take it off and on. You know, yeah. Almost like Batman, you could take it off and on. Yeah. And still be part of the world. Right, right. That, that's a great point. Yeah. Or you, or you could do the uh, the Jack Nicholson. Uh, I love how they had him put on the uh, the uh, skin uh, flavored makeup. Right, <laughs> the, the makeup over the makeup. Right? Yeah, yeah. 
like, yeah, that, that was that was awesome, man. Um, uh, before I go, I was going to make a connection. And usually with the Joker, I kind of assigned that this character has no memory of who he was before. I, I always assigned that this is kind of like his great freedom, that he doesn't have anything that um, keeps him back. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't have like a family. He doesn't have any anything to tie him down. That I usually visualize this as a person of complete, complete freedom of morals, of ethics, of heritage. That he has really no background, or he doesn't remember his background, and he can do these things without any sense of like culture, community, community. Right? He's just a one outliner that, or he just doesn't or refuses to remember it. Yeah. So nothing to lose, sort of thing. Yeah. What's it, he has really no sense of consequence. Yeah. He doesn't have anything that keeps him tied down. I really, because I, he's the only comic book character I, I believe doesn't have a mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Or he doesn't, or he forgot who his mother was and doesn't care, or he never knew or anything. I don't really think he has a sense of who the family is, but they're trying to, I think with this one, have some kind of background. So I like, maybe they probably entertain that idea that something happens that he doesn't remember who he was or he want to. Yeah, I, I think you can, and I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Like, how, how, yeah, because I know some people are purists. And it's like, yeah, you're, you're screwing with this the story. Even, I think yeah. It's so anonymous that he doesn't even know himself. Right, or right. Or doesn't want to know, or doesn't care. Right. I, I like that idea. Was, I like challenge yourself when you're writing things, you know? You know, a- a- absolutely, and, and like, sometimes people want to know, I'm like, the character has to, like, I, I feel like we as humans, the way we think, we it's important to understand motivation, and that's why characters work in movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, so, if we get if we get a sense of why he is the way he is, um, in any form, I think that that that's how this can work. Because with Batman, like we learn, you know what what that that clash is with that character being there, but without, without Batman being present, you feel like, I feel like they have to do something where it's like, where, like what, what drove him to this place or what, what got him to land here sort of thing. And, um, so yeah, no, I'm Scott Snyder entertaining the idea of the Joker. He just a slight snippet of there's a conflict and he goes, you're the Joker's like, he's sending me somewhere. I don't want to go anymore. It's almost like he was going to remember who he was before this. Ah, ah, yeah. And he's like, don't don't bring me back there. And it was like an idea of this. I, You know, everybody's got their opinions about the Joker. But it's something like that, I think, with him. That I, I like to entertain the idea that he's just doesn't want to remember. Yeah. And I think memory is a strong point with him. That For could, That would be awesome. I mean, I if that's, if that's the movie... I'm on board, sure. and 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 I hope that I, I and if it's I, I hope it's successful because I know they're not spending a lot of money, and I hope that opens up you know more opportunities. And I mentioned like these comic books, you've got so many artists, so many writers doing these different takes on these characters. Yeah. It's like there doesn't have to be one actor that that plays the Joker for five six years where it locks them out of other opportunity. It's like, hey, it's like you want you want. Ben Affleck for a for a a one off Batman movie. Well, now you can have him. Sure, yeah. Like you know, you're you're gonna do uh, uh, Under the Red Hood. Uh, you want 
fucking John Hamm as Kevin Smith. I've heard like like absolutely yeah. thinks is <laughs> like like should be Batman, yeah. uh, and so does the internet. Um, yeah, so I'm actually really excited, and I hope they're they're yeah. basically I'm looking at this movie as like, all right, like cool. I hope you found your stride, and like, and I hope we get to see a lot of more varied. Um, um, stories and, yeah. and, and ways to tell them. Can I ask you something? Sure. Like you being a big comic book fan as well. Yeah. What is a, what's a, what's a book regardless of hero? I don't, I mean, if it's not a superhero, whatever, if, if there's, if there's one book you'd like to, to see, um, you know, become a film transferred to the film medium, what, what would that be if it hasn't been made? Uh, J. Michael Straczynski's Midnight Nation. It's a fantastic book. Haven't read it. What's it about? <laughs> it's about um, people who are either ignored or unaware in society, and they communicate with old technology. Oh, wow. So the okay. old, everything we discard now, and then that's how they communicate. Midnight Nation is a fantastic—it has monsters in it, but these people who are kind of outcasts of society— and latch on to old technology, and that's how they communicate with old televisions, old radios, CBs, and stuff like that. It's a wonderful take how even though we advance as a civilization, we lose a lot. We constantly lose stuff. And his book is like, you know, how do we well, how do we make bread? We don't make bread. We buy it at the store. Well, what happens if we lose that store? Well, we're going to have to Google it, how to make bread. Well, what if we lose Google, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. So um, Midnight Nation is a fascinating I liked it. It's a long. It's pretty long. There's a lot of. It's pretty epic, but I think it would be wonderful as a movie. It sounds yeah. like it. I'm gonna. I, I just wrote it down. If you didn't see, I'll have to check it out. Sure. Sure. Awesome. Uh, um, we are about ready to go. This was actually a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was, man. <laughs> I want to. I want to come back. <laughs> we have to come back and we just uh, talk fun stuff, comics and movies and all that stuff. Love it. Um, my last question for all my guests, and you can take your time. What is your favorite movie? As of right now. As of right now. Yeah. So I'm going to make this easy on myself. Sure. Just because we all know that this this can this can wrestle. and Right. Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's just one. I mean, people love movies. And it's yeah. just hard to like. I, yeah. So I, I'm going to go with a film that um, that I saw this year. Um, and, and because I, I feel like, just like any other filmmaker, I have favorite films for different reasons yeah um and the one and I, I i also choose my favorite film based on do i wish i would have made that or thought of that and the movie that that did that for me that i saw this year was annihilation oh yes the uh area x uh books um this is i, I believe the first book in that trilogy of, of novels you saw it. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. It is so good, and it yeah. is so refreshing, and it is so well done. And the writing is top notch. Absolutely, right. I I can't I can't recommend it for everyone, but anyone who wants something uh, a, a little bit more um, obscure and and I mean I found it very satisfying, and 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 because really you do have to sit all the way through to figure out what's going on because. Yeah. Um, uh, its approach and, and, and motive behind what's going on uh, with, with with the um, oh gosh it's so funny I just mentioned how I love the movie what's the name of the sphere it's called the the um, the shimmer shimmer isn't what it is the shimmer I think so am I crazy okay yeah um, 
but what the what, it's just so beautiful and it's acted so well and it bums me out that it do, didn't do better because we had this phenomenal female cast and um i i'm I, it, it, this is this is such a weird thing to say. I bought it. I have it in 4K Blu-ray, and I don't want to watch it until it feels right because I don't want to get sick of it. Like I want to have that experience again in the theater, yeah. which is impossible. But I want to find a way to to line up a, an opportunity that makes it as close to that because I I I haven't had a feeling like that seeing a movie in a really long time. I love ever. how each character in that movie, the four girls are a representation of different viewpoints of science view of annihilation, psychologically, yes. biologically, environmental. It's a wonderful perspective. And I think um, one of the minuses I have is the dialogue doesn't seem like anybody can say those lines. They don't really have a unique, nobody has a unique voice. And I think that's actually intentional that they're all almost can be anonymous. It could be, but it, it represent a different field of aspect of annihilation. Yeah. 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 I wonder if, did you notice that the movie was bookend by a glass of water? I, uh, um, Oscar Isaac takes a glass of water and that's when you see blood and then her invest her, um, Nellie Portman talking and right next to her is, is a glass of water and she takes a sip. It's kind of weird that a, both the book, movies bookend by a glass of water. Holy shit! <laughs> oh, you didn't know? I'm sorry. Did you not know? No, like, yeah. I didn't. Like I, I didn't. I didn't catch Very it. Very metaphorical. Um, oh man, uh, see that's see now maybe now you have to go back and watch. I'm gonna say now. I all right now we've maybe got a a, a good reason to, to scope it out again here it's real soon. Yeah. You have to constantly pay attention. You do. You really do. Yeah. But it's interesting. It's, it wasn't hard for me to pay attention. Did you, were you locked in? I was locked in because I, it's really, you almost feel like a detective. Just why, why are we shooting this scene this way? Why are we shooting this scene this way? Yeah. You know, and I, after I saw that movie, I saw Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. With, I got a better dominant feel of Natalie Portman's character. Just snippet that she can handle herself better than seeing a whole movie of Laura Croft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She knows how to handle a rifle. She knows how to handle herself. And that's only a few seconds where the Tomb Raider took a whole movie, and I still don't think that this character, Laura Croft, is that they can handle her perspectives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I think it's just written really well. You know, she's, yeah. I mean, she she gets her stance. She's got a posture. She shoots her gun with complete confidence, and you know that she can handle herself. Yeah. And that was just a few seconds in the movie. Then it completely helped her character. Absolutely. Yeah. But and there's so many questions. There's hardly any answers. There's so many questions with that movie. Right. And that's okay. And I, and I'm sure I mean I hard I highly doubt they'll make any more movies about this anytime soon. Yeah. But I've I got I, I bought those books after seeing the movie. Oh, you bought uh, all of them. I did, yeah. Yeah. Um and uh I can't wait to crack it open because um I've heard it's a little different, but um it's just Cuz I think the book dominates the anonymous of each character yeah they're just called the biologist or the psychologist right so there's kind of some anonymous anonymity yeah from what i understand so yeah i guess uh take away i wish they made more movies like that oh yeah i know very intellectual all right yeah i'd recommend going to see mandy as well if you can mandy with nicholas cage yeah yeah Alamo Draft you, House, yeah, it's playing. Yeah. Just a picture of Nick Cage. You got me. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> See it. <laughs>
Thank you very much, Jay. You definitely, we definitely have to do this again. This is a wonderful time. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's awesome.